Welcome to another episode of Retrovaniacs, the only podcast on Retrovania.net about retro gaming, hosted by the three of us. I'm Jeremy Parmentier. I'll be one of your hosts for the show. Uh, along with me, as always, is Jeremy Gregory. Hey, Jeremy. I, I am also Jeremy. And Mr. Billy Holiday. I'm here, and I've got on my best singlet. This is a this is gonna be a good week for games. Cause I think we actually all played this one uh, ahead of this this podcast, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but before we get into that, uh, by the time this this show airs, E3 would have ended. Uh, you know, there's plenty of better coverage on E3 on pretty much any website except for Retrovania.net. Uh, but I would like to talk about a couple things that that really hit uh, my interest, and hopefully you guys had a couple things you noticed. Uh, for me, the the first thing I noticed, uh, aside from Nintendo's whole presentation being absolutely uh, uninteresting was the only thing I cared about at all on the Xbox presentation uh, is their Rare collection. There's going to be, uh, I don't remember how many games exactly, because they showed a bunch of them all at once, but it's probably 20 to 30 games, uh, good games across a lot of platforms. So you're going to get Battletoads, you're going to get Snake, Rattle, and Roll, uh, Solar Jetman, all the way up to N64 releases, uh, even some Xbox 360 uh, releases. I think you get Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts along with the older Banjo-Kazooie games uh, for $30. Uh, that's that was an, a great price. It's a collection of games I actually would would be interested in buying. Uh, now I don't have an Xbox, so there's a really good chance that I still won't buy this collection. Because if you add the system in, I could buy all those games individually. But uh, but it was it, it was a good looking collection. And if by any chance I have an Xbox, there's no way I'm not getting it. I, I think that was probably one of the the games that I was most excited for that is actually coming out this year. Um, besides that big Final Fantasy VII remake announcement at Sony. Uh, I think that was the one that I was most excited for that's definitely coming sometimes within the next 10 years or or possibly later than that. But as far as that Rare Collection, there was so, so many games uh, that I that I haven't played in so long, especially like Blast Corpse, uh, Jet Force Gemini. I, I would love to play those again, especially like in an updated fashion. So that that was really the one that caught my attention and, and has kind of stayed with me since then. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really not, it looks like a really nice collection, uh really amazing selection of games it's all games i've enjoyed over the years i also don't have an xbox but i think if i was to pick one up this would be probably one of the first titles i would grab for it so we all we're all in agreement and i'm not surprised that we were excited about the rare collection jeremy already brought up the final fantasy 7 remake which not that i'm not going to buy it because i guarantee you i'll own a version of it on something uh, but final fantasy 7 is not one of my favorite final fantasies it's not a bad game by any means it's still a great role-playing game but i think there are other ones i like a lot more uh, that have aged better. I just think for a lot of people, Final Fantasy VII is like their their gateway into JRPGs, so they remember it fondly. Like, I would say Lunar is mine in that same platform. Um, and I thought Lunar was a far better game, but I can see how other people today may not care for it. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to get that Lunar announcement anytime soon, but uh, Final Fantasy VII is obviously so huge. It was responsible for JRPGs getting big in, in North America. Uh, and for the amount of JRPGs that we got since then. So, yeah, it was something that everybody was super into at the time and then introduced them to what a JRPG is. So I can, I can definitely understand why everyone is, is super excited about that. And everybody's just waited for it for so long. There's been so much teasing and everything like that. So to actually get that now is is pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not the best JRPG by far. And I actually uh, probably prefer six over seven, but uh, there are so many good memories associated with seven, and uh, it's a game that when it came out, I talked my mother into letting me call into school sick 
three days in a row so I could get through it. It's just a lot of nostalgia. And just from the brief clip, it looks like it's a lot more than just throwing a coat of paint over it, like most of these remakes. It looks pretty extensive. The PlayStation experience that happened last December, uh, the uh, the president of Square, I think, got on stage and basically teased everybody into thinking that um, the little the, the PC version of Final Fantasy VII that's going to be out soon, which is just an up version of Final Fantasy VII, uh, he kind of made that sound like it was going to be a remake. And then they showed that trailer of it just being, you know, just the old PC version of Final Fantasy VII. So everyone was was pretty butthurt over that. And, and for them to come out and announce that at this E3, I think, just set everybody off. And then to follow that up with the Shenmue announcement, uh, that it wasn't a full announcement that it's definitely coming back, but it was a, hey, if you guys can fund this, they wanted $2 million in a Kickstarter, and it took less than 12 hours to hit that mark. Uh, so there will be a, a Shenmue 3, I guess the closure to the entire series. I may be the only person on this podcast that cares about that, but I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, but it's not in our, uh, in our time frame we're normally looking at, so after now I will not talk about it again. But I was extremely excited to hear the Shenmue announcement. Um, was there anything else that, was, that just grabbed anybody? Or, or I'll tell you, I was, I was very excited to see what bit we did at that last Guardian business. I thought that was... I, I don't know why I'm so excited uh, for a game that has been in development uh, for so long. Usually by now, I just kind of give up. But I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm hoping that it is actually finished and comes out 2016 or so. Um, I love Deco, Shadow of the Colossus, and what they showed looks pretty good. Yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy that they actually opened up their conference with that that game. Any other year, they could have finished with that, and, and the, the Internet would have, you know just went down completely but that plus final fantasy 7 and, and shinmu 3 was uh that that was the trifecta that was basically the fan fiction conference that everyone has ever wanted and they delivered on all three of them what wasn't mentioned was a remake of the game we're going to cover tonight and that is the nes classic nes pro wrestling <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a shame. I, I I waited for that Nintendo press conference. I was waiting for him to drop it. I was hoping at least for an amiibo or so, maybe of King Slender, but nothing. <laughs> or or some Smash Brothers characters to uh yeah. <laughs> to bring them on the side along with the Wild Gunman. I mean, these that's are all it. things they could have done. You know, if there's one thing that that Nintendo conference could have done to get me excited, it would probably have been a pro wrestling remake. So. Uh, we didn't get that, but uh, we can we can definitely sit here and talk about it for the next hour, and and, and maybe that will make things better. So NES Pro Wrestling for me uh, was the first real fighting game that I had played where you could play against another person, uh, but it actually felt like wrestling. It didn't feel like boxing. It didn't feel like uh, you know like just slamming into each other for no reason. It felt like you actually when you when you got next to somebody and grappled them and did some moves, it actually felt like you were you were doing something. It, it looked good. It was responsive. Um, I don't know how well it's aged to people who have never seen it before, but but for me it was hands down the best wrestling game of the time, especially on that console. Well, there there wasn't much competition either, but uh, this game uh, when it came out and for several years after, I don't think there was really another solid wrestling title uh, for me personally until the Super Nintendo rolled around. But this one it had you know your nice big characters, you had a, a full crowd, which. Uh, was something that you didn't see in any of the other wrestling games. Uh, you had your announcers in the background. You even had a cameraman roaming around ringside. Uh, 
this was a pretty groundbreaking title at the time. And for me, too, it was the first kind of one-on-one, any kind of fighting game I had played. And I'm going to tell you, still to this day, still one of my favorites. See, I don't think I have quite the nostalgia for this game that you guys have. I I always enjoyed playing it. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say what a shame that was. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry, but... I, I always enjoyed it. I, this was the game that all of the kids around my neighborhood actually had. But as for me, I never rented it. I never owned it. But whenever I went over to their houses, uh, I always enjoyed playing it. It was always super fun to just sit down and, and really the only versus game that was worth a damn, especially back in the, the early NES days. So that was my kind of memory of pro wrestling. And it's been about since then that I actually played it. So I, I didn't really know what I was going to get coming into it you know, this old now. Well, for me, this is the first of the, the games we've, we've reviewed that I actually did play a good deal of as, as a kid. So I'm actually interested to see if my nostalgia is going to overpower me. I was hoping that it wouldn't, uh, but I can't think of anything negative to say about this game. But at the same time, you know, my, I, I have a three-year-old, and he was watching me play for a few minutes, and he lost interest within 10 seconds and walked out of the room. So perhaps <laughs> my nostalgia is way too high to make this a valid, uh, a valid review. But we're not here to do reviews, so I think we're good there. Um, yeah. And, and my, you, by those same standards, uh, you couldn't count my review either. But like you said, we're not here for reviews. We're just here to uh, kind of state of our opinion on whether or not it's really held up. And I really think it has. I had a lot of fun playing it. It's a game I still, uh, not just for the podcast, but I play on occasion. Anyhow, on my own free time. lets you choose from one of six starting characters uh, to decide who you want to be your wrestler uh, to fight those other five characters. Uh, once you've beaten all of them one time, uh, you uh, I guess you can't lose anything. You just have to beat all five of them in a row. Uh, you earn the belt, and you become the champion, and you have to defend the championship for ten straight rounds. And then you fight the actual, uh, you know, I guess, permanent champion. I'm not necessarily sure what his title is, but uh, Great Puma. Yeah, and and the one thing you notice about the characters, and this was uh, my first impression was not a positive one because, you know, I was a big WWF fan, and we watched a lot of NWA, WCW, and when you get a wrestling game as a kid, uh, you put it on, and it's, uh, where's Hulk Hogan? Uh, Where's Ric Flair? Where's the Macho Man? Uh, No licensed characters in the game. You get a a completely uh, fictitious roster but a lot of them uh, you can tell are kind of based on real life characters uh, enough uh, king slender is obviously your your rick flair uh, he's the champion of the time you know he's got the long blonde hair uh you got the the amazon which is uh, seems to be put together from classic you know rule breakers like abdul the butcher the sheik and whatnot so uh, you can see a little bit of the guys you saw on television in these characters but after i sat down and started playing it it was never a big deal to me I uh, I never really had you know, the brief time that I played it when I was a kid. I I guess I wasn't really into the WWF at the time, so I wasn't looking for comparisons. But the the Amazon was green, and he ended up being my favorite character because he was green, and that was really the only reason I had for picking that character ever 
and to this day, the first character that I picked when I when I you know booted it back up on the Nintendo was was the Amazon, and and he is still very green. So uh, that held up in my memory. That that was the thing that held up. His greenness. The, the greens are still green. Well, all all six fighters are essentially they have the same move listing. And again, this is the Nintendo. You have two buttons, so they can't go too crazy with the moves. You don't have Street Fighter style moves. Um, but a direction and a button will do some things for you. So when you're when you're just walking around the ring, uh, the B button punches and the A button does like a spin kick. Uh, although I think for King Horn Karn, don't those do different moves? But it's it's still he a kick a, and a punch. He, he has a karate kick, I yes. believe, and a karate chop. Yeah, so it's, they look slightly different. The karate chop looks absolutely hilarious. Uh, he just jumps up and slams his fist down. Uh, but but everyone else has basically a punch and a kick. And then when you get right next to your opponent, it will grapple. And that's when the move, the buttons change. Uh, the A button in a direction will do some sort of, of grapple move, like a, a suplex or a, a, a pile driver. Uh, I don't know what the names of these things are because uh, I was not a big wrestling fan, but I was a big fan of NES Pro Wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the B button will let you do a body slam move or you can throw your opponent at the ropes. Uh, when you throw your opponent at the ropes, they run back uh, at you once they bounce off the ropes. Uh, and then you can kick them or knee, knee, gut the, uh, knee hit them or you can also um, run across yourself and, and do like an arm bar, I guess. I'm probably the worst person to talk about wrestling moves since I'm not a fan, but... <laughs> But that said, everyone has the same basic moves, and then each person replaces one of those basic moves with another move. Uh, the guy I used the whole time was Starman. Starman is bright pink with a blue star for a face. Uh, as a kid, I did not like Starman because he looks awful girly. Uh, and as a 10-year-old boy, you don't want to be that guy. Uh, as an adult, though, I think his special moves made him far better than everybody else. Uh, one of them is when he runs across the ring, instead of doing like that arm bar move, he does a like a flying body check that just knocks anyone onto the ground in one hit it's pretty strong yeah that that's uh, starman was always uh, probably my favorite uh, the only thing i didn't like about him uh, was he didn't have the pile driver which in, in my head as a child i was convinced that uh, these moves the pile driver did the most damage of all the moves and if you hit that thing it was over it re- he replaced it with a somersault kick and i just uh, no, please don't take any offense, but for all the wrestling fans that are probably screaming at you right now, the, that arm bar is a clothesline. Uh, See, I wanted to put you. it out there. I, I was hoping out. I'd get a correction. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And I got a little pro tip. Uh, if you want to get down and dirty a little bit, if you go all the way to the top of the screen, double tapping will make your own character start running and you can bounce off the ropes and come through with one of the moves for some reason if you go all the way to the top the computer will get stuck at the top and you can just continually hit them with that clothesline all you want i may or may not i may or may not have utilized that but it's there for you if you want to oh that's that's bullshit i wish i knew that i I only ever got uh three people past the well defending your championship i only beat like three people ever so after that, I would just get demolished by everyone. So I kind of wish I knew that at this point. Well, once you start defending the title, uh, it seems like it's it's fairly easy until you get to that title defense against uh, the Giant Panther. And he really that's when the game says the fun and games are over. It's enough. You've got your wins in. Now you're going to have to earn them. And I found then they actually start to dodge that a little bit. And they also start to dodge uh, the kick which I went in an effort to try to play this thing all the way through to the end. I abandoned my favorite Starman, and I went for the cheapest one, which is King Corn Karn. Uh, because that kick, I think, has just a tad bit more range, 
and I would just continually kick pile driver and then most of the time go for the pin. But you got to adopt to some uh, cheaper techniques when you move up. Uh, I'll go ahead and say, and anybody that's beat the great Puma knows that you're going to have to get a count out victory. And I had to rely on the count out for a lot of those title defenses. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you what, what you think about that as far as like this game. Coming back to this game, I had forgotten just how much victory relies on you actually getting a count out on people. And, and it's that's, not... That, it seems like there's just so you have to rely on that to to get a, a reliable win for the most part. You really do, and uh, I would say maybe it diminishes a little bit of the fun of it that it's not you know a contest in the ring, uh, trying to pull off these moves, uh, trying to wear them down so you can pull off the bigger moves like the the suplex and the pile driver. Which uh, this is something that wasn't adopted into another wrestling game for a while. Is you had to wear down your opponent to pull off some of the bigger moves, which I thought was a, a really nice touch. Um, what made that terrible on this game, terrible in, in some ways, but compared to later games especially, is there is no life bar. The only way you can tell how beat up an opponent is how long it takes him to recover, which is realistic, I suppose. But as, as someone who was used to games with life bars or at least like a, a different color change or something when someone's uh, really hurt, it was kind of hard to get used to that again. Yeah, and that, that's the, that's, is one of the problems with it, especially in the moving up the title offenses where it take they take far more damage before they can be pinned and you really don't. Um, it seems like, especially those last few title defenses, you can really only take a few hits and no matter how much you beat the computer down, you're still not able to pull off those bigger moves. And with moves like the suplex, if you try that on an opponent that's not weakened enough, he's going to reverse it and, and hit you with one himself. And that's when I Usually, I mean, one suplex and it's just about over, that, that alarm sound starts going off. And that means that your character is within danger of being pinned. Sorry. Yeah, it's only your, your main character that does. And I, I was going to say, I wish that, that alarm sound. You get two alarm sounds. You get one that uh, when you're kind of get, getting beat up, it'll, it'll do the alarm sound. And then when you're you know, down on your last whatever, uh, you get a, a more dramatic alarm sound. And you're, you can be beat at any time. And I wish those alarm sounds would have come up for, for playing against the computer. That would have made it so much easier to know when I could actually go for the pin. we like uh, billy said earlier a lot of the later matches for me at least became uh, yeah you can try to pin but it's never going to work the pin was there mainly just so i could tell how hurt they were and how long it would take them to recover and the, the whole goal was to get the opponent out of the ring either by throwing them out myself or getting myself thrown out where they follow me out uh, which also happens less later uh, and then once you're out outside of the ring you lose if the count gets to 20 uh, 20 seconds outside of the ring. If both players are out, it's a draw, which as the player is a loss, which is garbage, but whatever. Uh, and, uh, and if the opponent's out, it's a win for you. Uh, so you wanted, for me, the, the whole goal after I got my title 
uh, after those first couple rounds, it was you know, how fast can I get them out of the ring? And, you know, when I'm at, when I'm at about second 16, if I can slam him into the wall or, or do a move to him and get back in the ring, then it's a cheap win. But as far as I knew, it was the only way to really win uh, after about 10 matches. It's got to be. I've, I've, like, I've played this game for years. I've never pinned a great Puma, and I've never pinned a King Slender or Giant Panther in those last few title defenses. You've got to go for the count out. Uh, it, uh, I don't know. You decide how much shame's in it. You might not be able to look yourself you know, in the mirror the next day, but damn it, you're the champ. I had no such problem. I, I, I don't think it's cheap. It, the game allows you to do it. It's not like it's a glitch. It's, it's how the game's coded, so it's fine for me to, to time out everybody. In fact, if I won all 15 rounds I need to win by, by ring out, I'm, I'm okay with that. I would sleep uh, just fine. Well, I'm going to stop beating myself up a little bit then. I, I guess the, the hard part for me when you get to the point where you're defending your title is the moment you lose one match. I, I did this uh, in this playthrough. I didn't even get to the Great Puma but I know I did as a kid a number of times, and I know I only beat him as, by ring out. But this time I got to defending match number eight, which is always against King Corn Karn. And every single time, it's like it didn't matter what I did. He never got past the count of two on a pin. And, and both times I got ringed out by being an idiot trying to get that last. Like, oh, he's already down at 13 seconds, but I'll pick him up and I'll do one more move. And every time he slung me against the wall and I got timed out. Uh, I just don't think it's, it's possible. And then one of the times I got to... Um, King Slender again on the defending your title uh, round. So that's, I guess, defending title number five. And I didn't, this is the first time it's ever happened to me that I can remember. The whole time actually ran out. Like, the whole five minutes of the match ran out. There's only one round, and it's five minutes long. And, uh, and after five minutes, you get a draw, but it means you lose technically, and therefore you have to go back to the beginning of all your defending title rounds. So you can get to round nine, run out of time, and you start back at, right at the beginning. Oh, and that's, that's devastating. And... Uh, and as a wrestling fan, that's not how uh, wrestling works. But in this game, yeah, I mean, it's very frustrating. And I remember many a times getting up to that, you know, that title defense, seven, eight, nine, where they really start to ramp it up and just having to start over, over and over again. I encountered that a couple of times here, uh, but not too much. I've kind of gotten used to, you know, how much damage you need to do on the outside to kind of keep them down but i'll say one thing about the about the computer on this they really start to smarten up playing against you in, the, in these later levels there's a lot of reversals if you try to whip them into the ropes uh, they'll duck your clothesline a lot or they'll hang on to the rope so they don't get whipped back to you uh, like i said earlier the suplex you can almost never wear them down it, and they dodge your punch and kick which in especially when you're going for the title they'll run into that kick over and over as much as you want to do it. Um, but yeah, the difficulty ramps up maybe slightly on the cheap side. Uh, still a lot of fun though. And yeah, you got to incorporate the count out strategy. You got to spam the clothesline up at the top. That's what I do. You find a way through it. Yeah. This game turns into a cheap bastard. There's no question about it. It just, it gets so unforgiving. Uh, obviously I, I wasn't trying to go all the way. I, I just kind of went a few times just to see how far I could get. I, I don't know if anyone can actually tell me how the grapple system works. Uh, like if it is, if it's timing based, uh, Jeremy gave me the, the idea of just start button mashing as soon as you uh, go into the grapple animation, but there's no actual way of telling like who has the advantage in some other games like Tecmo. Um, or I think Tecmo, maybe it was that stupid WWF game I played, uh, you can tell who has the advantage by who is uh, who has the advantage or who is pushing the other person forward more in the grapple. 
And when you knew that, you knew you were actually winning. This one, they're just kind of standing there. And you don't know who has won that grapple until some, you, you either get body slammed or you body slam the other person. That was my biggest problem with the game coming back to it now. And, you know, as much as I've played it over the years, I still I couldn't tell you um, how you can tell who's winning a grapple, who's going to win the grapple. I, I employ the same strategy. Usually when we go into the, the lockup, into the grapple, I'm already holding down the direction, and I just I tap the button as quick as I can. Um, and that's not a sure fire thing. I don't really know if it is a timing thing, and that's just uh, gone unknown to me over you know the decades. Uh, but yeah, other games you can see clearly, you know, you kind of struggle back and forth with the grapple, who's winning. Uh, this one, I don't have a clue. Uh, from now on, I'm just going to continue mashing buttons like I have been. The only thing that might be, and again, I can't, I can't tell for sure, but I think there's definitely like a, a hierarchy of grapples of what will definitely get pulled off before another grapple. Like if you try to do the the backbreaker, not the backbreaker, the um, well, the backbreaker too, but the um, the pile driver every time, you're going to lose out if someone's just trying to do like a body slam or if they they throw you against the ropes. At least for me, that seemed like if I got beaten when I was trying one of those more involved moves, involved looking moves that seemed to do more damage, I would lose to only those those shorter moves. It's not like if I was trying to do a um, a pile driver, I'd I'd get countered by another pile driver. It was always something that seemed like a, a faster throw, a faster move. But that may just be completely random, because I have no way to tell. Maybe it's completely random, or, or perhaps the game is far, far deeper than we ever gave it credit for. It's based on the position of the moon. And That's it. <laughs> none of us knew. God. No, I, I actually had problems uh, even just initiating that grapple sometimes, because sometimes it, it, you, it, it seems like it would you would stick to it almost automatically, and other times I would just walk right through the person or just get punched in the face when I was, I, I was sure I was going to get that grapple. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, the, the rock, paper, scissor thing makes sense. The timing thing makes sense. Uh, but I never got any real consistency out of it. I'm sure it's just a random number, and we're, we're way overthinking this. Uh, probably. It's, it's an early NES game, and we should be so happy that it plays as well as it does. Well, especially compared to other wrestling games at the time. We didn't we kinda glossed over this earlier, but before this game on the NES there was muscle, based on the, the muscle men here, uh, the pink dudes that everyone probably still has a number of somewhere in a drawer in their house. Or in a Halloween pumpkin from McDonald's, which is where mine are. Uh, but but everyone that game was terrible. That game was like all the fighters did the exact same thing. There was like a power up that as soon as you got it you just destroyed the other person, but then the game was really just walking around the ring punching each other. It was just awful. And then after that was tag team wrestling, uh, which I actually had never played, but I looked at a video for the purpose of this podcast, and I see why I've never played it. Because anyone know that had it was like, no, we don't want to play that. And uh, did anyone here actually play that? I actually, even as a big wrestling fan, I never, I don't recall ever seeing tag team wrestling. I'm sure I would have rented it just uh, because of the wrestling title. Um, I also... Uh, before the show, kind of took a look at what else was out there that I didn't personally remember. Uh, yeah, I would have rented this one weekend and then quickly forgot about it. The, well, the big thing with tag team wrestling that in my, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, there's no way this would have been enjoyable, is once you get to that grapple point, unlike this where you, you know, you know you're just hitting a certain button combination or, or a direction to make a move happen, it would freeze and you'd get a menu and you'd pick what move you want to do. And then maybe it would go off. So it was almost like an old PC adventure game, but in a wrestling ring. Well, there's nothing more fun than that. Uh, I actually uh, 
took a bullet for the team and went through those WWF games. Uh, just to compare and contrast to, to this, yeah, I had never played any wrestling games on the NES besides pro wrestling. So it was kind of like, you know, what, what am I missing here? What, what else is going on in the NES world? And, of course, WWF was huge back in the day. So I, I really wanted to try those out. And they're unplayable. They're absolutely unplayable. They are terrible. They are some of the worst wrestling games or games I've ever played. Uh, you can't really do anything with those games. I can, I can attest to that. It's 100% true. And as a, as a child, I already had pro wrestling. And I had said before, you know, the one thing was I wish maybe it had uh, some of the people I watched on TV. And I finally got it. I mean, here's, uh, I think it was WWF WrestleMania. Uh, and here's Hulk Hogan on the box. Yeah, it's everything I wanted. You look at the roster. You got you know Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, so forth. And then uh, the game starts up. It looks awful. It plays awful. And uh, you know by the end of that weekend, I was happily back on pro wrestling. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Imagine how many kids got those WWF games for Christmas. Because those were the only, you know, WWF games in town, the official WWF games. So imagine how many disappointed kids got that on Christmas morning and booted it up and was just like, what in the fuck is this? This is so, this is unplayable. Well, I think the, the key to knowing that those would have been bad games, who made them? Who was the company? LJN? LJN. Yeah, that's, that's disaster right there. If you, see, if you saw LJN or Acclaim... Uh, on the box, you knew just to put it back. There were there were a handful of games that those companies put out that were passable games, but generally, uh, those were just you might as well just said turd on the front of the box. If if we knew then what we knew now, really, yeah, that was. I imagine that was the problem. A lot of kids back then wasn't looking for the um, uh, for the publisher. We we were looking at Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior was on the front of the box, and that was the game that we wanted. Not me, but you know, uh, so it, that had to be so disappointing. Well, the only other game on, on Nintendo that I played that was wrestling, and I'm pretty sure it's the only Nintendo wrestling game that's better than this, and I think in a lot of ways it builds off what this game did, was the Tecmo World Wrestling game. Uh, you had, I think, 10 or 12 fighters, so you had an increased number of fighters. Uh, they looked uh, a lot more like, actually, they moved better. They looked more like people. They didn't have, you know, the animation on, on pro wrestling uh, for the time was just fine, but watching it now, it's like, oh, they have, they have three frames of animation, if I'm lucky. That's pretty pretty tiny but it still controls and moves well it just it just doesn't look as smooth as what i would have expected but tecmo had much better animations but also with tecmo the big thing i remember with that was once once you get your opponent hurt and you do have a life bar there so you could see how hurt they were when you do certain grapples it does like a zoom in move you know like uh, like tekken does now you know where like you go into a grapple and it just it zooms in on the move and it like does these camera things and and at the time that was that blew my mind oh yeah i was i was a sucker for that move as a kid, anytime it zoomed in, uh, double dribble, it's much like that. You went up for the slam, and it zoomed in. I, it's a pretty cheap gimmick. I mean, you wouldn't think anything of it now. No, oh, in that, fact, I'd be mad that was, now. That was it then. <laughs> but I'd still say, even though it, it's... Uh, Tecmo is, I think, a better game. It offers the same kind of play feel that this had. I, I didn't think it controlled very poorly uh, compared to this. But this definitely was... was at the time, really impressive. Like, like we said earlier, you had a cameraman that walked around the bottom and the sides of the screen. Uh, that didn't, didn't matter what you were doing. It was just neat that it was there because it's like a televised event. You had a referee that walked around the ring, and it actually would delay the count based on how long it took them to get to you. So sometimes if, you know, there's actually some strategy in making sure you pin in the right spot or else you're going to lose you know, two seconds while the uh, ref walks over to, the, to do the pin. 
and uh, and little things like um, the Amazon, who's who's the green guy. Uh, both of his special moves are kind of cheating moves. He does a choke and, and like a bite maneuver. And both of those, after he does them, he'll turn to the ref and like plead with him, like, "No, I wasn't doing that." Like it's little little touches like that that really made this game stand out. That I don't think a lot of games up until up until this on any sport really did did anything like that that really made these characters even though they weren't the ones you know on tv they had some character they had some appeal each person each character you know all you got for them was you got a short bio you got the height you got a weight you know a location but yeah each character playing through as them or playing against them you know they they each did have maybe even slightly their own kind of personality there was enough there even though a lot of the moves were the same all the frames of animation except for a few here and there, special moves were the same. But each character still felt unique, even with the, the limitations uh, at the time. I, I think this is actually, going back to it now and, and remembering just how early of an NES game this was, is so impressive, especially when you think back to those early NES sports games like uh, NES Baseball or you know NES Golf. They were the, just the simplest, most generic games that you could possibly imagine. There was no character to it at all. And then you look at this game, and there's there's so much. Every character is is an individual character. You know, they all have their their own personalities, and just how much is going on. It, it was super impressive then, and it's it's still really impressive now. And don't forget, this is the game that brought us the phrase, a winner is you, which now yes, everyone uses boy. all the time as a joke, but I bet half of those people had never even played this game. Probably, Probably not. not, and it's a shame, because I think it's got a lot of lasting appeal. As far as wrestling games, I've said before, it's, it's like the Tecmo Bowl of wrestling. There's more advanced out there, uh, more customizable out there, but this is just pure, simple, just two-button fun, uh, not a lot of thinking required. Uh, not a lot of planning out. It's just something you can pick up and play. It was a lot of fun then, and uh, it's barely diminished now. I, I had more fun playing this than the previous two games put together, and I liked Axley, but I think this one, I mean, I, I had to, to put it, fight to put it down sometimes if I was in the middle of a, a series of matches up until I lost that you know, eighth match, and then it was a, a fight to not throw my NES across the room, which is also a nice flashback to me at 10. So. <laughs> Last week we had our first listener question, which was amazing because we've never given out a way to actually get us any questions. Uh, so unsurprisingly this week there is not a second listener question uh, other than, oh, I didn't know you had a podcast, which isn't really a question. Uh, but what I did want to talk about is this week was also uh, the summer Steam sale. And normally the Steam sale for me means that I'm going to end up somehow buying 30 to 40 games uh, for a couple bucks a piece that I will never play, that will sit on a backlog that at this point has about 200 games on it on Steam, not to mention my other console purchases that also sit there unplayed while i play nes pro wrestling 30 years later um did anyone uh, happen to look at or buy anything on the steam sale I, i'm looking i'm looking every day i'm looking when it refreshes uh, you know when the steam sale comes around i actually i physically get anxious leading up to it one i know i'm going to spend a lot of money more than likely that could uh, go to much better things more necessary things and two i like you've got over 200 i'm pushing that i'm getting close to it and it's it's games that some that i want to play but i just think you know i'm never 
ever going to get around to this. And uh, same on the consoles. I've got games stacking up on that. And every now and then around the house, I'll, I'll you know, get some resolve to me. I'll take a stand. I'll, I'll slam my hand down and say, I will not purchase anything new until I've cleared out some of what I have. But I always fold. I always give in. I haven't bought anything on Steam. I've, I've bought a lot of old games on a GOG.com. also had a, a summer sale. And I've, I've purchased some old stuff off there. A lot of old PC games. Uh, Seventh Guest, Eleventh uh, Hour, uh, Redneck Rampage. And uh, I wanted to purchase Myst. I didn't know there were so many versions of it. I went with a Real Myst Masterpiece Edition, which uh, I'm going the longer the title, the, the fancier the game. I'm hoping that's correct. I've only played the first Myst, and, and I liked it at the time, but again, that now is... 20 years ago, so I have well, no idea <laughs> if the well, other this ones are one, any good. <laughs> this one is, is not only real, but it's also a masterpiece. There's no way that's lying to you, so you probably made a good choice. I think so. Uh, I, I've also not bought anything on Steam, but for me it's because my store, for whatever reason, won't load. Uh, I can see it on, on the web browser, and I can see it on my phone, but when I actually go into Steam and go to the store, it doesn't work. So I've taken that as a sign that I don't need any more games right now, uh, which is probably a good, because I, I did recently acquire a Vita, uh, and I've been loading that up with things that I have no reason buying, uh, but I get them because they're on sale. I, I don't know if that's a good, good or a bad way to run a business, but uh, but it's a good way for me to to spend money on games that I wouldn't have bought at full price. So I guess it makes some sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's just uh, going from one thing to another. But hey, you know, whatever, whatever you like. Actually, for me, I, I have been trailing off on the Steam sale for probably the last few Steam sales. I have not gotten anything this time. Uh, but my backlog is is so in shambles at this point that there's there's no way that I could probably catch up. So that's one reason I've been kind of staying away from the Steam sale. Um, I, there was a point where I really thought I was getting my backlog under control. And then a lot of these open world RPGs came out that take 100, 200 hours to beat. And now I'm just I, I've, I've been buying games and, and still playing those RPGs and not beating them. And, and that backlog just continues to build, build up. So not so much that I've seen so far on this Steam sale, but I'm still looking here and there. Um, but nothing, nothing really that I've been seeing that I've, I've wanted lately. Well, the problem I have is if I do buy something, it's like I broke the seal, and all of a sudden I bought 30 things. I really tried the last couple of sales not to buy anything, and I'll get to, like, you know, day 8 of 10, and I'm like, well, I'll just buy this one game because I'm looking for this, and all of a sudden I bought 35 games. So I've only got a couple more days on this sale. Uh, hopefully I can stay firm and and not update my Steam so that it works, and not buy anything. Uh, but that's okay, because we have plenty of other things to play, uh, such as next week's game that our random number generator will now pick for us. It's General Chaos on the Sega Genesis, one I, I think we've all played a little bit of, me probably the least, yet again. I think it's a fairly unknown game. Uh, it was always available to rent at my video store always it was never actually I, i'm pretty sure if i looked at the computer for my video game store back at the time or my uh, video store uh, i would just be the only person that ever rented that game and i've never actually talked to anybody that played it so i think it could be interesting for for us to check it out and and definitely come back to now because i have not played it since back then yeah and i don't have a lot of strong uh, memories about it one way or the other, good or bad. I know I, I rented it on a couple of occasions. Um, so I am. I'm, I'm looking forward. It's something, hopefully, once I get in there, I'll be kind of familiar with it. Uh, maybe it'll hold up. Maybe it won't. We'll see. 
Uh, but until then, you could probably follow us on Twitter. We're at Retrovaniacs. You could check us out on Facebook at Retrovania on Facebook. Uh, and then our actual website, Retrovania.net, has pretty regular uh, updates. We have some videos. we got some articles. What's been on there lately? Uh, well, today we just put up Billy's latest video. It is a retro memories uh, style video, which is just kind of a video of us uh, remembering some of the memories that we had back when we played these games. And um, this video is about him basically ruining an entire family uh, when he microwaved the hamster in, in Maniac Mansion on the NES. And uh, also every Monday we have a video review, uh, which is a good you know four or five minutes of just an old game that, that we enjoyed playing back in the day. And then on Fridays, we usually have an actual written article. So definitely come over to Retrovania.net and check it out. So that gives you some stuff to do until next time. Uh, otherwise, thank you for listening. We did get another iTunes review. Uh, Billy, who was the iTunes review from this time? Oh, it was none other than friend of the show, Raging Pot Roast. And, uh, Had very good things to say. And, and that makes a, a whopping two reviews, which is actually two more than I expected to get on episode three of a podcast. So please, uh, if you like the show, go to iTunes, give us a review. It it helps us uh, get some visibility, but it also just makes us feel good inside. And don't you want to help us feel good inside? I know I certainly do. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks with General Chaos.